Hey, this is Josh. Welcome back to the listening room. Listen to what the flower people say. All right, so I got to start off with an apology here for the rather sporadic nature of the podcast lately. Um, If you don't follow me on Twitter, you might not know what's been going on, but between South by Southwest and all of the extra festivities going on at work because of Easter, and also waking up to a CPU fan error on my computer last week, um, things have been a little hectic. It's been difficult for me to sit down and uh, finish up these last episodes on Isley. And thus the podcast has been, uh, like I said, pretty sporadic, just coming at you whenever it's done during the week instead of my regular Monday schedule. That being said, I wanted to lock myself in this room here and go over just a couple songs real quickly so that I do have something to put out this week. I know it's the end of the week, but if this weird time warp, if you're not actually listening whenever I drop these episodes, this none of this stuff even matters, so whatever. This is going to be a real short episode because I just want to knock out a couple songs. Hopefully by the end of the week, I can finish up the record and we'll be back by Monday. We'll have the episode with the rest of the tracks on the album. Anyways, without further ado, let's just go ahead and jump into the next couple songs. Four on the album is titled Sad. Now, again, this starts out with Sherry and her guitar. I like the guitar tone. It's kind of doubled, and you can hear a lot of the string buzz coming from it. It's a real, just kind of uh, a, a real sound. I was going to say raw, but it, it, it does sound nice and clear. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of noise or anything like that going on, but it sounds like a real guitar is all that I'm trying to say. If you listen closely on the right ear, you can hear a little bit more of the string buzz, and that's one way that you can tell that the guitars are doubled, even though they're playing the same melody, and that melody is what normally just sticks out to you. Anyway, some vocalizations come in, there's some harmonies throughout the song that accentuate certain lines, which are really good, Uh, but after those vocalizations in the beginning, there's this light electric piano that starts playing until the electric guitar picks up the main melody line there. And I think the electric guitar has a, a really interesting tone too. It's almost kind of like an electric dobro sound. Um, it's it's nice. I, I like the different tones that they're using for this song. It doesn't just sound like the same guitar that's being played throughout the rest of the album. 
The simple chorus vocal line is backed by a bit more melodic guitar line. It sounds a bit angsty, a bit more rock than the rest of the song. Uh, the rest of the song has this breezy kind of feel to it, but you get a little bit more of that intensity, that in-your-face kind of sound, uh, that rock sound in the chorus, even if it is a little subdued. On verse 2 in particular, but throughout the song, Stacy's vocals are all over the place. Um, from harmonies to vocalizations, they just add this texture to the song so it doesn't seem so uniform. Each verse feels different. Overall, I mean, I really don't think this sounds like a sad song, except for the fact that she sings sad, I feel sad at the beginning of the chorus, and, and the name of the song is sad. But that said, when we take a look at the lyrics, that's when it really starts to come out. I mean, the first few lines of this song are like a punch to the gut. She sings, Hardly waiting until the bed was warm, you closed your eyes and said, I'm feeling torn. Remembering that their marriage was only nine months in before their divorce was finalized, it sounds to me like she's not exaggerating. I mean, I can only imagine putting myself in her shoes and hearing those words from someone to whom you've just promised the rest of your life. The weight of that statement, knowing what it eventually leads to, is heartbreaking. Now, from a strictly songwriting standpoint, I do think that Sherry's repeated use of the word sad in the chorus, it sounds to me like she could have used a little editing when writing those lines, but the rest of the chorus just reeks of this tragedy. She sings, you'll be left alone and broken, bleeding from the heart when he doesn't come home. In the first chorus of the song, she repeats the words, come home, and it gives me the thought that she's still longing for reconciliation with him. It's interesting, though, because she doesn't do that repeat on the rest of the song, and I think that has to do with kind of the realization and the coping that she does throughout the rest of the song with his eventual leaving. On verse 2, it shows his reluctance to make a decision as to, you know, he said that he's feeling torn, but he doesn't actually say, you know, whether he wants to stay or whether he wants to go. But at that point, if he's already doubting the longevity of their relationship, I mean, was their marriage ever real? Now, on a personal note, I'd suggest that she continue to fight for her marriage, especially when it's so young. It's still in its infancy. But as far as the song goes, I understand she's just expressing how she felt when she heard these words. And I think it really makes an impact. Again, as the song goes on, you stop feeling that she wants to continue on in this relationship, but she's accepted that he wants to move on and she is willing to break it off. That, that repeat of come home never comes again. And instead, this song really just uh, kind of wallows in the fact that she has been hurt so badly by, again, this person who has promised, um, till death do us part, only nine months later, is saying, you know, I, I don't think I can continue to do this. So again, I think this song is largely just a measure of catharsis, a way to, to speak about how she's feeling in the midst of all that, and obviously... How she's feeling is sad. You're right, right, right. You're sunny. 
five is Oxygen Mask. It starts off with this nice, pretty little piano line and Stacy, again, going between her head voice and just her straightforward singing. She's just showing off her chops. This girl can sing. Another thing I noticed is that she really likes the string sections in her songs. You know, they're they're uh, backed by this piano line that I'm sure she's written, and then she brings in the strings. She really likes that sound versus the, you know, more electric guitar and rock style that Sherry uses. But that said, there is still a lot more going on in this song. You know, there's that acoustic guitar that comes in during the choruses. At the second verse, most of the instruments pull out to show you kind of the piano and the bass line as well. When everything comes in, it shows you all the different parts. So like I said, there's an acoustic guitar, there's electric guitar, there's lots of vocalizations on this song as well. Just all these these little things that they add to the song to fill it in and to give it more of color and texture. There is a lot of Stacy in this song. It sounds to my ears like she's actually doing the harmonies as well as the melody and doing a lot of the vocalizations um, all throughout the song. Her voice is front and center. But then what I said earlier about the feel of the song changes at the bridge. It's actually led by the electric guitars to change up the feel from that kind of piano and strings thing that they were doing in the rest of the song. I was going to say at the beginning of the song, but even throughout the rest of it, it's still that same feel. But the bridge just changes it up a little bit. It's pretty cool. I like at about the two minute mark also that there is this swell of vocals that sing, why do you run? Run. And it sounds like they're singing a chord because there's so many vocals going on there. Uh, it's a pretty cool effect. I'd encourage you to listen back to this song and try and pick out all these little parts. There's lots of little parts that are buried beneath everything, and they, they're given their chance to shine at certain parts of the song. They're all uh, these different kind of layered lines, like I said, with the, with the different types of instrumentation. What seems like a pretty simple song here with Oxygen Mask actually has a lot more going on than you might notice at first listen. Okay, so looking towards the lyrics on this song, it seems like they've actually decided to lighten the tone of the album with a love song. Sort of. The first line, I think, shows what you're going to get with this song when she says, You're a ray, a sunbeam ray, but now you're turning gray. So again, you get kind of this contrasting light and dark, although I, I wouldn't say it's anywhere near darkness. It's just light kind of starting to turn a little bit. Because verse 1 shows her elation with this new romance. She sings, Rainbows and setting suns, they all come into darkness when we were one. Even the simplest joys of the world around her are fading when she's with him. I mean, it sounds like a young love to me, although there are some notes of, of different things that you know she, she brings out about this person that seem to say that she knows him a little bit better. But it's definitely reminiscent of those early days in a relationship where, where the other person can do no wrong and you just want to be around them constantly. On the chorus, Stacy says that she's breathing through an oxygen mask, as if to say that he's become her breath of life, which is interesting in context with this record, I think, because I feel like the theme of this song is that same breath of fresh air here from the valleys of the rest of the record. 
we're starting to walk away from those themes of of darkness and heaviness and starting to look towards the light and look up to the the hilltops once again Verse 2 takes a slight turn when she sings, You were stolen from the waves at sea, but now we're crumbling. I think this is a reference to the Little Mermaid, who is created from the sea, but in the original story, if you've read it, she ends up jumping back into the sea and turns into sea foam, so it's actually kind of a tragedy. Her relationship here seems to be teetering on the edge of that, but she follows that with the line, I'll never get the chance to say what it means. As if to say that she knows that she hasn't done everything in her power to hold this relationship together, that there's still a road ahead that she can try and take to mend the relationship. The end of the relationship isn't completely clear within the song itself. Um, I think it's just kind of capturing a snapshot of the relationship, so it's not trying to tell you a story, it's just telling you what she's going through at one particular moment. But it seems to me that they're going to make it. You know, when she speaks so highly of the effect that he has on her and her resolve to continue on and to stay with him, you know, I I don't think that the, the slight graying of the light that she talked about in the first verse is really going to stand the test of time. I think they can come out this the other end. So that is Oxygen Mask, this nice little breath of fresh air to me on the record where, you know, we're starting to see just the happiness, the lightness once again. And I think the music also uh, backs that as well. There there are some songs on the record that seem a lot more lighthearted musically than they are um, with the lyrical themes. But I think this song... Um, melds both of those ideas and kind of just allows you to breathe and sit back and uh, listen and enjoy the strings going on there while Stacy sings about her new love. And with that, unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to leave you guys until, uh, you know, next week when we will actually finish off the record and start moving on to something else. Um, now, if you have any suggestions for me, I still have not uh, yet had time to pick out something else for next week. Um, you know, that's that's not going to be too hard. I have quite the record collection. But of course, you can always reach out to me if you've got any suggestions. You can email me, listeningroompodcast at gmail.com. You can call or text 617-651-1116. Or you can always catch me on Twitter. My handle is at Broccolope, B-R-O-C-C-O-L-O-P-E. And as always, till next time, remember, don't just hear, but listen. Come home.